Welcome to All Axes, brought to you by Mazak, a podcast where we interview the people helping to shape the future of manufacturing to give you a better understanding of where we're heading and why. We believe that with an understanding of technology, workforce, and market trends, you can always grow your business. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I'll be your host. Here to discuss the trade relations between the U.S. and China, both currently and what we can expect moving forward, is Amber Thomas, Vice President of Advocacy for AMT, and Pat McGibbon, Chief Knowledge Officer for AMT. Pat, Amber, thank you for joining us today. Let me start with a question we've been asking everyone. What is it you love about manufacturing? Well, I've been working in the industry for 35 years and have come to know the people and the businesses pretty well. Um, I'd say manufacturing is one of the most inclusive industries. Um, There's something for everybody, um, whether you're a high school graduate, community college graduate, there's something for everybody. And it's always evolving and changing, particularly now. And I really respect the industry because I've come to know advocating for it, how important it is to national security, to jobs and to economic growth. Yeah, it really reaches into a lot of different areas. I like that. Pat, how about you? It, it does. And, and for me, so what I like about manufacturing, uh, I can take it back to the 1980s. And there was an idiot politician who, who said that, that it doesn't matter whether we make computer chips or potato chips, uh, as long as we have something to trade, we'll, we'll do well. And that's just not the case. I mean, I, uh, manufacturing is so important to our economy. Uh, it uh, it uh, generates uh, $3.60 uh, downstream and upstream in our economy for every dollar it goes into the manufacturing. No other sector of the economy does that, not the government, not service not agriculture, uh, manufacturing is the only place where you get that kind of um, multiplier to, uh, to what the impact of a dollar in the industry does downstream. And then second, I would say it's, uh, it's the people. The uh, people are amazing in this industry. Um, many of them have, uh, have uh, pulled themselves by the, uh, by the bootstrap and, and have made a living because of their ingenuity and their hard work and their dedication to the idea of making something and see that thing go out the back door and the satisfaction of seeing it, uh, making somebody in their customer base wealthier, healthier, and uh, better off. Yeah, there's something so tangible about that. Like you can see the results so clearly and you can almost feel them and, and you can measure them. Yeah, I agree. Can you give us the current state of the U.S.-China trade deal? Basically what phase one of the trade agreement did was cancel any future tariffs keeps basically all of the tariffs that are currently in place. Um, But what the Chinese agreed to was to buy $200 billion worth of um, products from the U.S., including about $77 billion worth of manufacturing products. They pledged to make progress on IP protections as part of um, any type of um, negotiation or product purchase. Uh, So, yes, as Amber said, uh, where we are right now is we've drawn a line in the sand saying we're not going to add any more tariffs. We're not taking any off. It's a basic truce. So what does this mean to manufacturers, um, our, uh, our people in our industry? Well, 
uh, back in the early 90s, our, our government said, you know, you guys go play hardball there. Um, but because we're the, the big boy in the block, we're not going to really uh, beat up China for some of the things that so many other countries have done, Japan, Korea, other countries, as they got a start in the industrial age. So uh, we went, we played, we made significant investments. And um, in other countries, when they began to, to grow up, uh, we dealt with bringing them into the uh, upper echelon of the, the, the global economy without tariffs through other kinds of trade uh, negotiations. Uh, tariffs are like a nuclear bomb uh, because those products that you were helping to uh, provide as a supply chain to your overall process in the United States uh, was disrupted and or made a lot more expensive uh, component of that supply chain, uh, making you less competitive, not just against U.S. manufacturers, but the imports coming into the United States as well. And so um, this, this truce doesn't deal with that issue. Um, going forward, we need to get to a place where the U.S. and China feel comfortable with the that they've met or are going to meet the, um, the underlying reasons for beginning this whole process, the 301 process, which is the, the stranglehold they have on uh, including people in Chinese products, projects, sorry, projects. So you see the most current truce is more of a Band-Aid than a solution. This isn't over. It's just a temporary ceasefire. Correct. Uh, it, it's uh, just a temporary ceasefire. It, and it's, it's got some positive things to it. Uh, uh, people who've got on the radio and said, ah, this is nothing, you know, it's her problem. It's, that's not true. Uh, the, the dollar figures that Amber was quoting are are substantial, and we, in in our analysis, expect to see that trans, uh, translate into uh, additional investments in manufacturing technology by people in the agriculture industry and people who um, who make uh, the products that help them uh, deliver those uh, agricultural products to the table. So off road and highway construction and mining equipment. Uh, as well as some uh, an pick, pick up in demand for exports to China for some of our, our key manufacturers in other uh, sectors. So we, that's a positive. The negative is we still have uh, a lot of manufacturers and members in, in the manufacturing technology community who have significant investments in China that aren't getting their the, the full value out of because of the tariffs that are being placed on those products coming back to the United States and going into the supply chain for final products sold here or abroad. So U.S. companies that have resources in China are not getting the full benefit of their Chinese investments because the products created over there are being shipped back overseas and are being affected by the tariffs. Right. Anything they're making there that's coming back to the United States, um, that's a disruption in the supply chain. And, and you know, it's, that's not an easy thing to deal with. Supply, uh, supply chain management um, has, is fraught with a lot of issues risk, relationships, and dealing with people um, from around the world. Uh, replacing it or, or putting um, additional patches to it take time. And, and we've, we've not had the time, and both in this industry and manufacturing as a whole, to really adjust to that. I'll add to um, this by just saying, as soon as the agreement was signed, both parties are set to work on phase two and phase three of an agreement. Um, there's no timeline on that, but... Yeah, that's my next question. 
So as a part of the current truce, China has pledged to make progress on enforcing intellectual property protection. Is there a timeline or stated steps China is willing to take? I think it's um, one of the areas that has caused some criticism because it's a pretty broad statement um, to basically um, beef up a dispute resolution and also to not require tech transfer. But and it's it's supposedly immediate upon signing the deal. But just how that's going to happen um, out of a 94 page trade agreement, I think it only takes up six pages and it's a pretty important part of the deal. Um, so there are lots of details still to be worked out. Yeah, I, I would say also that um, uh, when you, you're trying to accomplish something uh, like uh, reducing the amount of the impact of uh, IP uh, theft and and forcing people into uh, capital situations with respect to starting deals in China, it, it takes time. One of the things uh, that you know China has said they're going to be proactive. They have started some cases. And on the flip side of this, USTR has said to to uh, analysts who've been watching this that um, they're going to be more vigilant about uh, prosecuting uh, cases without going through the long, uh, often, often burdensome surveying process to make sure they have a case, that they will take uh, offenses and begin to make uh, the Chinese aware of them even before they begin to prosecute the issue with the Chinese government. But the measurables to pledge to enforce IP protection is something that needs to be handled in phases two and three of this agreement. It's currently just an agreement to take a look at it. Uh, it's, I think it's a little more yes. than that. Um, it, um, as is the case with many of the, um, like the, the agreement just released, it's, it's pretty broad in nature. Um, there's a lot left open to interpretation. I think that is kind of the point you're making. There's not a lot of milestones. Uh, yeah, to me, it feels vague. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I can see where you, you it would look, feel kind of thin, but in in, um, in reality, we, we even before this truce, we saw the Chinese changing some of their laws. We've seen that they have initiated some cases. Uh, the uh, the the U.S. government has realized that uh, this is going to be a prolonged, uh, continuous effort achieve the goals uh, on both sides and uh, that the metrics are not going to be black and white. They're going to be subjective. Uh, even if you get a court, a court uh, a finding that is in favor of a U.S. company about the, uh, being leveraged to be in a project or being uh, having their IP uh, taken um, or, or borrowed inappropriately, uh, even, they, even if they get that kind of a finding, uh, what happens after that to the Chinese? What kind of reparations are there? What kind of uh, right? What kind of pieces are put in place to make sure it doesn't happen again? So that's not going to. That's not a. Uh, that's not a sixty-day fix. And there are no ones and zeros on this. It's a. It is going to be a, a qualitative, not a quantitative, uh, set of metrics that they're going to have to implement, which makes it a challenge. And um, uh, and it, and I think that this truce kind of uh, is a positive thing in that the U.S. side is realizing 
uh, that the, it's going to take longer and that the metrics are going to be more difficult to measure than they thought it would be at the beginning. So as part of the truce, we're getting a commitment from China to purchase $200 billion worth of products, 77.7 billion of which will be dedicated to manufacturing. What are they getting out of the exchange? Well, one thing um, that they're getting is the cancellation of tariffs that were supposed to go in place in December that would be include almost all Chinese products right. that are imported. imported to the United in, States. Yeah. Uh, in, in addition, uh, uh, they, they want to see this rollback of our, our tariffs and their tariffs because <laughs> – the tariffs we placed on them are hurting us uh, to a certain extent, hurting them more. Uh, likewise, their tariffs on our products coming to that country, there are things we uh, provide the world that are, are unique to the United States or uh, come to the United States at a very good price. They're, so it's hurting their system as, just, as, uh, just as much more. So they want to see this rollback begin. And it won't happen um, at a, you know, one slice. It's going to be a tit-for-tat change over uh, over years, uh, in the same way it took us to get to this point, uh, it's going to take time. Pat Nambert, thank you for your time. We hope you join us in the future for more analysis on how decisions out of Washington shape the market. And if you'd like to learn more, visit amtonline.org. Be sure to subscribe to All Axes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or you can always visit our website at mazakusa.com for the latest episode.